Hello and welcome, everyone. This is episode 214 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast. I'm James, joined once again by Ryan Top, And we have a special guest as Paul is, again, as always, perpetually traveling. So he's out of town. But we have Steve Garshinsky rejoining us as our featured guest here how are you doing this week steve good i i i'm repping my my reporting as eligible sweatshirt so i could could be the paul Paul stand fancy one that the 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 high high grade quality i think there's only one sweatshirt but yes it's it's high quality (laughs) i recommend it for everybody looks very nice it is it's all it's a great sweatshirt it's not that like weird wicking you know weird textured material that most sweatshirts are I'm like oh it's a nice cotton like sweatshirt it's awesome there you go didn't do the packers much good on sunday but you know i had i had justin jefferson on my fantasy team so i was i, think I have him on one of mine too and i've got delvin cook on another so it's fine but uh yeah not not a fun ending at least but don't knock that uh, wicking material my sweatshirt from the 2008 <laughs> playoffs is still like oh, the I best sweatshirt that. I own because it's the yeah. thing is immaculate. Those they do like that thing is gonna live forever. It's amazing. It's you perfect. know forever forever materials are kind of under fire, Ryan. Maybe we shouldn't <laughs> use those. <laughs> well, I haven't replaced it in the entire time, and I'm gonna be wearing that thing in thirty years, hopefully. So yeah, it's still be in landscape uh, a century from now. People are still gonna. Getting- that's what you're gonna say. The 2008 Brewers wildcard sweatshirt will be floating in the Atlantic Ocean in the year 2075. It's it's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad you're comfortable now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, screw future generations. We're fine. All right. Uh, we got a few Brewers things to talk about uh, this week, but as always, before we get started, want to remind you: you can become a patron, support us over at Patreon.com/slash/MKETailgate. You get that question priority for just two bucks a month when you sign up to become a patron there. You also get that question priority on the Reporting as Eligible Packers podcast, as Steve mentioned. Uh, Probably plenty to talk about there this week. So uh, sign up there. Two bucks a month, you get that question priority. Five bucks a month, you get some extra content on top of that as well. You get the Minor League Extra podcast with Ryan and James Anderson from Rotowire. You also get Paul's Reporting as Eligible preview mini pods every single week where you'll get a preview of the game uh, a few days ahead of time. He said he was scared this week. Yeah, I mean, Vikings are always a bad matchup, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, they know what? I I can't claim to be a smarter Packer fan, but I can claim that I can parrot Paul and like sound like I'm a better Packer fan when I'm talking. (laughs) So I do recommend. Uh, That's all it is. Steal Steal what Paul said in the mini pod. Uh, and you sound like a genius whenever you're talking to people. Exactly. He he nails it more frequently than not. So uh, definitely worth a listen every single week. Um, I guess turning to the Brewers now, uh, Corbin Burns won the freaking Cy Young, guys. That's pretty cool. Um, I'm obviously stoked being the Corbin Burns super fan, but uh, some other people like Jeff Passan were irrationally mad about this online. Uh, <laughs> so I guess let's talk about it. Uh, he obviously beat out Zach Wheeler. I think they tied with first place votes is that right but corbin got him on points so mm-hmm. uh he also received some down ballot mvp votes we should mention brendan woodruff i think finished fifth or something like that too in the cy young vote so uh plenty of brewer representation there but i guess ryan your thoughts on corbin actually winning the freaking thing i think we all felt maybe he deserved it but i don't know if we expected this to actually happen 
I think I was expecting it to happen just because of the way the narrative we're so far now removed. It's been almost two months now since these votes had to be turned in since he won the award. That's what it feels like already. Right. It, well, it is. And remember, these votes had to be turned in before the postseason started. And you're coming off of Corbin Burns closing the season just absolutely on fire, shutting down everybody. He had the the eight innings of a no-hitter. That was, what, early September to mid-September? It was September 11th, yeah. Was it actually September 11th? Okay. Yeah, it was. So, like, that was... Now that feels like it's ancient history. It's way in the past. But for voters, that was very present in the time. So I think that that contextually helps a lot. I know that people looking... Because I'm, I'm on the baseball reference... Uh, page here that goes through the, the NL Cy Young voting. And the first thing that jumps out here, obviously, is that Corbin Burns has 5.6 uh, baseball reference war and Zach Wheeler has 7.6. So looking at that, you would go, oh, wow, they really made the wrong decision here. But if you start looking at other things like, say, Fangraph's war and yep. and checking that out, where it's much less about what happened and much more about like you know how good a guy was uh, peripherally because that's really the basis of what Fangraphs does. Then Burns shoots ahead. So I I think I get why people would say Wheeler deserved the award. I wouldn't argue with anybody who said Wheeler deserved it. Now if people are getting mad about it, that's a little bit different. But hey, I get mad about the Craig Council stuff, so I'm in no position to cast dispersions on anybody on that. We'll get there, Ryan. Yeah, I'm sharpening my <laughs> knives. Uh, Steve, I guess the thing was the innings count was a thing for the Wheeler people. Is that an issue for you or was Corbin just that much better? OK, here's the deal I'll make. We will never give a Cy Young or any kind of postseason award to a relief pitcher. That isn't a relief pitcher award if we want to take innings into account. So that's the thing. Like mm -hmm. they've given the Cy Young Award to like relief pitchers before, to closers before, and stuff like that. So yeah, when was I, the last time that happened? Was that Gagne in two thousand and four? Probably. It's, you might be right. Yeah, it's been a generation at this. Yeah, point. Yeah, it has yeah. been. Okay. But you know, I I think at that rate, like you know, there was a time that that baseball writers were willing to give, you know, somebody who had such a a minor role in the outcome of uh, most games, a, a Cy Young award like that, that, um, you know, I think, I don't think Burns underthrew by any account. When you look at the number of innings he pitched, there weren't many guys who hit 200 innings this year. Max Scherzer didn't have two in hundred innings. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's a guy that used to be able to pencil in for what, like two thirty a season. Um, so I, I think you kind of have to take the, the, post you know 2020 covid season into account here in how teams are managing guys um you know he had his time missed with uh the aaron Rodgers honorary non-vaccinated list <laughs> um which yeah. i mean as you can see the people who decided to do that it's basically biting them all in the ass so uh you know what go get vaccinated um but, you know, I, I think at 167 innings, like he threw more than enough this season to be deserving of it. Again, yeah, if somebody wants to make the argument that Wheeler had an extra, uh, was it 40 innings? It was around that, right? Uh, 213 like that. to 167. So, yeah, yeah so he's a little, yeah. innings. 
I mean, I again, yeah, I wouldn't argue with somebody if they wanted to, to make the case that Wheeler's innings were were extra innings were worth enough to be able to to win the award. That's fine. But to get angry about it, irrationally angry online, I mean, that's just you know content farming, basically. Like here, give give, give me clicks. Here, here's my my clip on some shitty podcast uh, <laughs> of me ranting and yelling. So go download it and share with your friends, kind of thing. So, and it's unfortunate to hear Passon do that because I usually expect him to be a little bit better than that. But you know, I guess I guess that attitude comes for everybody at some point, and uh, he just happened to be the the guy online that day for it. Yeah, and it was weird. That tweet is very strange uh, coming from Passon. Especially because the whole thing about like the the biggest trick the nerds ever pulled was convincing yeah, people he, that innings he didn't went the matter. Ad hominem route. Yeah, but it was. It doesn't even. It's not on. even correct because the nerds were the ones who were pushing the innings thing in argument, saying it's much more important for guys to do that than say racking up wins. It's about preventing runs over innings. That is what makes a good pitcher. It's not about wins. That was the whole argument against. Oh God! Go back to two thousand two and uh, the Angels pitcher, uh, Bartolo, Bartolo mm-hmm. Colon, because he got the the Cy Young award based purely on wins. And when there were many pitchers who were clearly and superior. awesomeness, just, well, just I mean, awesomeness, sure, like that, sure. You know that was his walk year. That was yes, that was when he was first eligible for free year. agency. Yeah, in two thousand two, and when did he retire? Like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So he put six years in before that to get to that point. So uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it, it just that that part of it's really weird and like not in keeping with like he's smarter than that. He should know better than that, that that wasn't even like the nerd point of view. He's just like irrationally lashing out at nerds on this one. So, yeah, it, that was not a great look for passing. But eventually, you know, it, the the demons will come well, for and us again all. there 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 are actual arguments to be had oh, like you can definitely make an argument and it's just that like it's disappointing when you go oh you're making your argument poorly mm-hmm. right like, it, it's totally legit you don't have to get angry at the way burns when went about winning the award and the people who voted for him because it's not like an inappropriate vote by any means so no, I think, you know, those two and, and Scherzer were clearly ahead of, like, Walker Bueller then in third place. They're clearly superior to what, eh, you know what, I actually, I take that back. Bueller at 270 innings, you can make a case. 207, sorry, not 270. <laughs> if you pitched 270 say, innings at that rate, yeah, we wouldn't be having this conversation because he would have won. Uh, but, yeah, it. Whatever. What it's, is it's what was Bueller's word. line to end the season? Uh, two forty seven ERA, uh, 0.968 WHIP, and um, two hundred twelve strikeouts and fifty two walks in two hundred seven innings. And what was his WAR? You're the one who has it up. Yeah, so six point seven. So more than yeah. what Burns. I mean, Burns was five point six. I mean, it's and interesting. This is Baseball Reference WAR. I did before. Sorry, Steve, to cut you off, but I, I wanted to go back to this. Um. Burns did beat Wheeler and every other pitcher in baseball in Fangraphs were 7.5 for Burns. Uh, Wheeler was 7.3. And then there's a big drop off. Eovaldi's actually third, believe it or not, at 5.6. <laughs> and then Bueller at 5.5. Um, there must be some serious park adjustments going on to you know nail him for that. Sure. 
Yeah, I think I want to circle back on the innings thing too because sure, Zach Wheeler threw more, but you look at the inning by inning, he threw 27.1 innings between innings 7, 8, and 9 uh, with a 593 ERA in those limited sample size innings. But also you look at the OPS, probably not surprisingly, uh, 528 OPS against him in the first three innings, 602 in innings four through six, and then 714 innings seven through nine. So yeah, he threw more innings, but he was also a worse pitcher while so doing James, it. James, are you <laughs> saying Craig Council could have won Zach Wheeler the Cy Young Award? Uh, maybe he probably would have. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like if Zach Wheeler threw Corbin Burns amount of innings, he probably won the damn thing, right? So I don't know. I sure give him credit for throwing more innings, but he did it worse, and that's why he finished in second place. I guess that's my two cents on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, all right, I, we do have some. It's close, but yeah. it's an interesting year for it. Like if it would have yeah. gone to any of those guys, sure. Like there's, you can have a, an argument back and forth, but there's nothing to really get like irrationally angry about with any of those guys winning it. And I I think that even includes Bueller who was really good this season as well, too. Um, It, it it wasn't like the American league, you know, (laughs) which I think is a little more. Yeah. 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 It is definitely a year for pitching, especially in the national league. So multiple guys worthy of it. I think I said on Twitter, I'm, I'm just happy. My favorite pitcher won my favorite award. I'll just be happy about that. And I won't engage with the idiots who are trying to stir up stuff for clicks. So there's that. Um, all right. We have some Patreon questions about Corbin winning the Cy Young. First up, we have PJ Wessels. Uh, he's asking, Ryan, how surprised would you be in 2019 that a Brewers won, a Brewers pitcher won the Cy Young Award in 2021? So just a few years ago, this is kind of a crazy thought, isn't it? Well, I mean, I definitely wouldn't have picked it to be Burns, given what happened in 2019 <laughs> Yes, like, exactly. Not that I had given up on Burns. I think I have a long track record of being almost irrationally optimistic about Burns, even when he was at a really bad place in back in 2019. Same. But... Yeah. <laughs> But, like, at that point, Brandon Woodruff was already a really good pitcher. So if you had told me that, like, he could have potentially won the Cy Young this year, I would have been, oh, okay. Like, that wouldn't shock me. Yeah. I, I mean, he wasn't he wasn't an outstanding he, – he became – he leveled up in 2020 uh, and probably again this year. But he had a 362 ERA over 121 innings and a 4.77 strikeout to walk ratio. That's a really good pitcher. So I think Burns's first start in 19 showed both like the potential and the issues because I remember that that one. Yeah, it was against the Cardinals, right? Yeah. He had like 10 strikeouts through four innings. Yeah. He looked great for like four innings. And then like the next two innings were like disasters with just like he gave up six home runs or something like that. I don't have it in front of me. So I don't remember what the exact total was. It felt like that at the park that day. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's the kind of thing where, like, yeah, at the time it would have been like, nah, no, nah, this guy might not have it, or I wouldn't believe he'd win a Cy Young that quickly. Um, but I think it was a, you know, a start like that is a good reminder of both the stuff he had at the time and then the issues he had to work through, um, basically, to get to this point. Um, and clearly, you know, we like to say it's the the pitching lab, and it probably was, however they worked through it. And also, it's just guys getting more time and actually understanding how to pitch in the major leagues. Um, so, I mean, 
yeah, in 2019 to say that, no, it would have been like not believable. But like I said, I think if if you really would have looked a little bit deeper in there, there always would have been that that glimmer of hope. I think with with the way his appearances went in a lot of cases. Yeah, absolutely. You saw the potential there kind of early. Um, all right. Well, now that the Brewers have a Cy Young winner, how do they keep them? <laughs> Our next Patreon question is from Adam Post. He's asking, if the Brewers tried to extend Corbin Cy Burns this offseason, what could that contract look like? Ryan, what do you think? Okay, so I was just kind of looking at this, and we've got three years of control remaining where he is under you know cost control and this is definitely going to up the uh you know him going into uh, arbitration here for the first time this is definitely going to up that i've got to double check that he was in arbitration for the first time this year or he's going into it for the first time this year right yeah he is I believe so yeah yeah so he gets to set his baseline very very high he will get over 10 million that probably cost the brewers a couple million dollars just this year and then you know compound that later because that's how it works it builds on that initial number so even if he regresses he still gets a raise as he should because he's still providing a lot more value than what uh he's being paid for but given that there's those three years at the beginning i would imagine in free agency, like for free agent years, the the price to buy him out begins at thirty million, and then you'd have to take it backwards from there. So, like, I think you're looking at at least like seven years and one hundred and thirty, hundred forty million dollars, kind of as a as a starting point. Uh, I can't see anything below that even really getting much of a conversation going. And if he wants to head to the free agent market and test that and, you know, really cash in. And we're going to talk more later about the insanity of the starting pitching market that kind of came out of nowhere this week. Um, I just can't see much of a, a reason why he would accept any sort of real discount at this point given his his status and situation right now so they have him under team control for three more seasons correct right and this is the first arbitration year Mm -hmm. sorry coming up 2022 is the first arbitration year okay yeah i mean it's an interesting decision because do you want to sign him that far out pitchers are dangerous man they are and he was there's, a bit of a late both, bloomer, right? So yeah, yeah. both the pitchers are dangerous, and then also if they do tend to make it into their thirties, they don't have the regression that like position players have in a lot of cases. Like if they stay healthy, it can be totally worth it. So yeah, you have those two sides. You basically have to weigh. I don't know. I you don't have know. to hope he's Justin Verlander and not uh, Jordan Zimmerman, right? I was going to sure. say, I, I was trying to look up uh, pre-ARB Cy Young winners and uh, came across an article from, I think it was like 2014, when on one hand you had Clayton Kershaw going into arbitration, on the other you had uh, David Price. So, I mean, those are two different careers that played out very differently, right? But both of them got massive extensions eventually. Which one do you want to gamble on it being, right? That's the risk when you try to do this too early right steve yeah i think so and you know if i'm the brewers and you're not getting if you're gonna pay you know close to 150 million dollars 
no matter what. Um, I'm kind of fine with them letting it ride for another season or two before they really broach the subject. Like, I don't see the need to to go and try to sign him now. Um, yeah, the only way that they do sign him right now, right, is if he offers to give them a massive discount. That's the yeah, only way it happens. I mean, why would why would he do that? Like Corbin, don't do that. Don't take a you know. Don't give a mass. Sure, I want him to stay a brewer, and I would gladly say like, if you're happy with that contract, you know, take it and keep pitching for the Brewers. That's what I'd like to see. But you know, man, I get it if you don't want to sell yourself short. So that's why, you know, unless he comes and says like, I just really want to stay in Milwaukee, you know, so sign me for what you guys feel is comfortable. Um, I'm, let him let him pitch the next couple seasons, uh, see what happens. And I don't know, maybe going into that final season, uh, they can come up with an extension. I wouldn't bet on it. Um, but yeah, like he, he should totally just, you know, go get what he can uh, when he hits free agency. But man, he's a pitcher. He's got to get three more seasons. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. You know, that's a pretty decent number of innings because I don't yeah. think 167 innings in a season is going to be his workload going forward. You know, he's going to have to yeah. be out there more like right. that just, you know, the, the way, the way it's going to work, hopefully as we emerge from the, the COVID seasons with the COVID IL and all that kind of stuff going on. Um, he's just going to need to be out there. So it'll be interesting to see with the increased workload, what happens with a lot of these guys. Well, let me ask you this, Steve, do you think that they are going to stick with a six man rotation next year? Because they did it in twenty, uh, it back in twenty twenty, and they did it this year for basically the entire year, with the exception of when there were off days. Sometimes they skipped that sixth starter, but guys never went on fewer than five days rest. Basically, do you think they're going to continue to do that, or was that a COVID uh, adjustment that they made? No, I think they continue to do it. I, you know, I think they do try to to work. You know, when we're talking about. Wheeler would be the Cy Young if Craig Council were managing him. I mean, that's a Brewer philosophy. I think they realize, you know, hey, these are the danger innings. Um, this is when we need to pull guys out. And that's that's not a COVID thing. Um, that is, we want to get the most value out of our pitchers. And if that means pulling starters early, earlier and using a deep bullpen, basically, to um, get the best run suppression you can, uh, that's the way they're going to manage it, regardless of what else is going on in the world. So, no, I, I, I think the shorter starts are a thing that are here to stay. Uh, I think the the rest days, as they are, um, if they have the depth to do it, they're going to continue to do that. So, um, and I think with the way they manage their pitching staffs, they tend to have pitchers, more starting pitchers to use, because again, they kind of know what those danger zones are. Um, and when they need to get them out of the game. So, you know, whether it's a, a, a six-man rotation or it's, you know, just an effectively managed bullpen game, um, I think that's just part of part of the way the game is going forward. Well, I guess speaking of managing, we should talk about Craig Council finishing uh, second once again uh, in the manager of the year voting. A lot of uh, people comparing, calling him the Susan Lucci of the NL manager of the year race. Uh, this is what, like the third or fourth time he's, he's finished second. Um, well, I mean, we have to blame yeah. baseball prospectus, right? Because they, they predicted the brewers were going to win the NL central, which raised expectations that council just met. Mm-hmm. Right. And remember, right. And the giants were supposed to be trash. So therefore Gabe Kapler did. If, if, if you're right? going to win manager of the year, you have to have a, 
everybody has to believe you have a shitty team. And then, well, so manager of the year is completely based on either projection system systems or just major league baseball writers getting everything wrong at the beginning of the season. Yeah. We're going to need you guys at BP to project the brewers for at least like third place at best next year. If we're going to get Craig, this thing, right. I mean, that's, is, is that what, what we have to do, Ryan, to get Craig council, one of these damn awards. Yeah, it's so stupid because basically the conceit and the way this works now is the manager of the year award goes to whichever the manager of whichever team has the biggest difference between their sort of expect expectation and their uh, their end result in a positive direction. And basically that is all assumed to be the manager, not the battalion of coaches that the Giants have working there you know they have like 20 coaches or something working on that team not the genius front office that they've assembled where they they managed to find all these guys and and turn them into good players this wasn't a situation where like i think in the past you could have looked at craig council year over year and gone they're exceeding their their uh uh their run differential quite a bit every year the giants didn't do that the giants didn't exceed their run differential they were a really good team legitimately a good team now it was a complete surprise to everybody but the players collectively were all really good and so the winning of you know whatever it was 107 games or whatever that was pretty legitimate on their part even though it was a surprise Mm -hmm. so ascribing all of that to the manager is of course it's a nonsense and it's silly and it's you know it's dumb yeah now now in Kepler's defense not only did they all play expectations, but they beat the Giants in a division that everybody said, like, well, the Giants are going to, or I'm sorry, the Dodgers in a division. They said the Dodgers yeah. are going to walk away with this. So, I mean, they were in a difficult division. They won the most games in the, the National League this year. Uh, you know, yeah, they outplayed expectations, but they, you know, like I said, they had such a good season that, I mean, can you be angry about it? Kapler clearly, clearly wasn't doing something to to hinder their success. No, he was fine. It's just that this the the award is basically as as meaningless and silly as the other awards are. This one is just doubly meaningless I mean, and silly. W- was he just fine? I don't know. Does he have a relationship with the Giants front office like Council has with the Brewers, where he's going to? listen to them when it comes to this is when you need to take guys out and these are the situations you bring in certain relief pitchers and you know so i he i would might, imagine yeah he might i, I think, I think Kapler, well instinct yeah yeah i think kapler's the kind of guy that's open to that and the giants front office is the type that would be that hands-on with it so um you know is it it's shitty for council he deserves it Right. Well, he deserves yeah. to have won this award at some point, and I think at that, least once. Yeah, yeah, at least once. But I think if you want to know how silly and dumb this award really is, you need look no further than who got third <laughs> place in it. Like Mike Schultz got a first place vote and got fired. Mike Schultz I was, was really hoping he would win it just to make the Cardinals look. I I vote for chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, if if that doesn't tell you how like what an exercise in futility this whole thing actually is the way that it's done now is that the guy who literally finished third got fired by the team because they didn't want him around anymore. Uh, if that doesn't tell you that the whole process is just worthless, I don't know what will. So I guess it's, it's not worth getting worked up over, even though I always do. I mean, how many games do they win at the end of the season? 
What was, what was the win streak? I mean, that's why he got the first place for a yeah, yeah. It was like a 19-game win streak or something. You know what? You get to the end of the season, you got a team that looks like they're just dead and out of it, and then you go and win like 19 games in a row. Yeah, I mean, you're going to pull some votes for that. So, Yeah, but he got fired. They literally decided he wasn't worth keeping I'm, around. I'm not arguing about that, but I mean, it isn't... The award isn't, you know, about how you're keeping your job the next season. It's what you did in in 2021, and that's what he did in the regular season. So I, I suppose, but the the Cardinals didn't think that it was worth bringing him back based on what he had done. And we, well, we have heard that, like, basically, it came down to there was a meeting that turned into a complete shit show after the mm-hmm. postseason meeting where Schilt and people in the front office basically completely were at odds with each other and they said, okay, we can't work with him anymore. And he's gone. Sure. Sure. But like I said, the, the, with the win streak they had at the end of the season, you're, you're going to get votes. You're going to get votes for manager of the year. Right. Which just shows again, how silly the whole process is. I don't know. That was a pretty impressive streak. <laughs> now it took a bunch of stuff going on. It took the Brewers basically yeah. having things wrapped up and not caring. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they played the Cubs like 12 times or whatever. In- <laughs> they, yeah. Was- so, I, you know, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going in their direction, but they still had to go out and win them. So you got to give them credit for that. Yeah. Eh, maybe next year. <laughs> I don't know. For council. For I don't know. Field. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Uh, I guess turning to the free agent market, I think we all kind of expected things to be super slow, especially with, you know, the impending lockout in the next 10 days or so as we record this. So, uh, but that's turning out not to be the case, at least with the starting pitching, Uh, Justin Verlander back with uh, Houston, right? Uh, Jose Mm -hmm. Barrios, Jose Barrios landing a huge contract extension with Toronto. Uh, And we've got Noah Syndergaard. He went to the angels, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, landing a pretty solid deal with the Detroit Tigers as well. All of those guys got really good money to sign this week. Ryan, I guess, you know, we've been talking about, oh, this will be really slow or teams will be hesitant to spend, not knowing what the rules are going to be going forward. I guess just this week change how you're thinking how the market will play out. Yeah, I think it's much more player friendly than I would have guessed coming into this. And they're guys are going to get paid. Now, we have actually seen this before where the starting pitching market moved quickly, I believe, last winter, too, or quicker than the other parts mm-hmm. of the market uh, did, as opposed to other parts of the market, like you know, relief pitching or position players, which moved really, really slow and went well into the new year, for the most part, before the best guys all came off the board. But I think it it's... The, the Verlander one was really, he got a $50 million deal, so $25 million for over two years, and he's, what, 39 years old? And, and didn't really pitch this year, right? Right. He, he hasn't pitched. All year. Yeah. yeah, he pitched a few innings in 2020, got hurt, and then had TJ, and hasn't been seen since, though he did work out, so he went and showed off what he could still do. Um, but I guess this is... This is somewhat of a surprise that they that guys are getting paid this much, given what's going on with the the market about to shut down. And we did have this week Rob Manfred. What was the the dumbass lawyer quote that he had, James, where he basically said, like, 
oh yeah, we we need to get our our stuff in order, and it's not actually a bad thing if we have a shutdown when games aren't being missed. Like that's not a problem. Right. Right. He. I. I think he. The gist was, don't call it a work stoppage because we're not missing any games or something like that. Basically, it was, yeah. It was semantics. It was. Uh, the same crap we're going to hear for three months. I'm tired of it already. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there, there was some deliciousness here. The, the Noah Syndergaard signing for just a bit over the, uh, the qualifying offer that he got from the Mets and the Mets mm-hmm. thinking that they had like a deal in place where they were just, he was just going to come back to them on the qualifying offer and that was going to be it. And then the, the angels said, no, we'll pay you a little bit more than that. And the Mets were like, no, we're not going to outbid ourselves. Well, no, he got outbid by another team, and he's there now and not with you. So have fun with that, suckers. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think you can read too much into both Syndergaard and Verlander because they're one- and two-year deals. You know, I think those are guys, regardless of what the contract negotiations are, they were willing to just get their money figuring, you know, Syndergaard needed to prove it deal no matter what, and Verlander, I mean, this is probably his last contract. He says he wants to pitch to 45, which I would have laughed at, but Tom Brady's doing it. So, right. I mean, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Maybe he does it, but I, you know, I, if he wanted to pitch to 45 and people believed it, they probably could have signed him until he was 45. <laughs> I'm sure too. You know, yeah, no. like, yeah, we'll, we'll give you two years. He'll do the Roger Clemens thing at the end where he like decides to start pitching in like Ju- uh, June or July. May, Summer May or June. June. Yeah. 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 I can't wait for Susan Waldman to to be screeching the. Uh, oh, my the, God. It's it's, it's uh, the most dramatic some, thing I've ever seen. There's, there's so many R's to not pronounce in that name. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh. Yeah, I mean, the Berrios one, I think, is more uh, informative as far as, like, you know, when you ask about what could uh, uh, Corbin Burns get, you know, right. if Berrios got seven years for $131 million, you know, yeah, where's Burns at then? Because Berrios has always been intriguing, and maybe in the last, what, season, he started to kind of scratch what people hoped he could be. Yeah, um, I think he's been better than people realize. It's just that he hasn't been, been the star that people were thinking he was going to be, like, right I away. Mean, you know, I think there are always a lot of good things he did, and then you looked at the end of the season, and he still ended up giving up more runs, basically, than you wanted to see. That mm-hmm. was kind of how it worked out for him. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting. That's that's the, one that's, that's the one that's most intriguing because it's more of a long-term deal. You right. know, anyway... And- Signs a short-term deal is like, sure, whatever. Get your money. Well, also, it's a guy who's 28 years old next year. So yeah. he is still very much in the prime. And so that's a it's an intriguing deal from that aspect as well. But I think it, it does up my expectations for what it's going to take to sign guys this winter, which, you know, probably means the Brewers are more quiet than they... It always happens early, then everybody stops signing, and then it's February, and guys are reporting, and... You know, yeah. it's all of the where are they going to go? You know, mm-hmm. who's in out? Are they gonna, they're going to they're willing to wait a few weeks into the season before they sign all those kind of stories that come out. So and we have to remember that we watch this play out every single winter. I've been right. doing this podcast now for five years <laughs> and like we've watched the same dance every year. Why aren't they signing anybody? Why aren't they signing anybody? Why aren't they signing anybody? And basically every year they end up signing people. It's just in February. Yeah. 
Sure. Yeah, don't expect the Brewers to move early. Early as January. Early as they have somebody <laughs> to go at, uh, what is it, the Family Fest or whatever the winter thing is. Yeah, but they're not doing that this year. That's so, right. Yeah. yeah. But I, I guess maybe this is a sign that the Brewers are going to be quiet early, but they let Manny Pena go to the Braves two years, $8 million. So not necessarily a cost prohibitive contract, but I, I guess is that a sign, Steve, that maybe <laughs> they're going to lay low and maybe not spend any resources until they get a better lay of the land? I, we all in, like Manny Pena, but you know that's the kind of guy that's going to come and go. Um, you know, so there are other Manny Pena's out there who are glove only catchers that they could probably go out and grab that we don't even know their names yet. And then they'll come in and they'll be fine. Um, you know, we've, we've gotten to see the Manny Pena streaks where he hits with a little bit of power and, uh, you know, it's exciting to watch during the season, but let's be honest, the guy's not a force at the plate at all. Um, so you're, you're paying for a backup catcher. So, you know, eight million dollars for two seasons for a backup catcher i'm sure they'll find another guy that can fill that role yeah and they have a history now of also finding guys who can hit a little bit and turning them into good defensive catchers where they weren't before we saw them do that with omar so they kind of have their choice of guys and they will probably make a move in this in this department in the winter that we all shrug at and go oh okay maybe that guy's the the new backup and then we see him come in and become a good catcher for them down the road just because that seems to be what happens with catchers for them all the time so i i do want to give a shout out to my wife who is very sad about this manny was her favorite player and she's very sad to be pineapple-less so it is yeah it is truly a, a sad moment for her it, it's wild that he was the longest tenured brewer at this point and now i think it's uh what suitor is the longest tenured now so oh wow yeah, I mean that that tells you what kind of roster turnover we've we've seen the last few years. But uh, yeah, uh, after that, I have no idea who it is because I don't know how long Suter will be around after the next year or two, too. So, I mean, yeah, and the thing with Manny too is he's what already in his mid thirties. So, like a two year deal at this point too is kind of chancing it a little bit. So, uh, but you know, the Braves needed a defensive catcher. <laughs> And they got one. So uh, hopefully he I'm, I'm glad he got his eight million. He got paid after years of kind of being that minimum salary guy. Right. So uh, good to see him uh, kind of get rewarded for all the things that he did the last few years, especially when it looked like he might not ever be a big league player. So, yeah, couldn't be him. happier for him to have to have gotten this money because he absolutely deserved it. He's been worth way more than what the Brewers have been paying him. And that's absolutely. just yeah. You know, the, the problems of the system where a guy like in his position comes up so late that he's really not going to have a chance to have much of a, a big cash in. This is as good a chance as he's going to get, probably. And so he needs to take advantage and good for him. Sure. All right. We do have some other Patreon questions to get to before we wrap up this week. Uh, our next one comes from Jay Google. Steve, just for you, I made sure Jay wasn't the first one. So thank you. You're welcome. Very much. I, I think he asked that in our, our private chat anyways. Uh, so. Did he? Uh, <laughs> so you guys have already answered him on this one. Yeah, I think we've already had this discussion, but yeah, we could do it. All anyway. right. All right. So for the general viewing public, uh, Jay's question is, did the Mets finally give up on Brewers management? Uh, this comes after the Mets hired Billy Epler to be their GM. Uh, Ryan, probably not, right? 
Nope, because as soon as this happens, all the rumors start coming out that Billy Epler and David Stearns are really tight. They are good friends and that uh, they could have a very successful working relationship with David Stearns coming in on top of Epler, obviously, you know, to be the, the team president and Epler working underneath of him, but probably more in a collaborative way. And uh, yeah, so this this does not quell any of those discussions or rumors or any of that one iota. The only thing that is going to quell those rumors is a David Stern's extension. That is the only thing that is going to like make sure that he doesn't end up with the Mets. But at at this rate, doesn't Alderson basically have to retire or leave to make room for Stearns to come in? And I think he would. Okay. I, yeah, because I was going to say that's kind of the issue that Stearns has no actual position to go into that would be worth it for him um, right now. But yeah, Sandy's right now in some sort of quasi, I think he's like, I guess he's technically the head of baseball operations, but it's not like, he's not like president of baseball operations. I don't think it's some sort of advisor title. Yeah. I think he's head of old man angrily yells at cloud. No, he's head of, uh, of, uh, making sure that my son keeps yeah. employed. <laughs> yeah, this is the, this is the nepotism that. train, Steve. Wait, there's ne- there's nepotism in baseball too. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> shouts to R E E. Oh my goodness. Have I got next news th- for you, Steve? Yeah. Next thing you know, there's going to be like all these boons managing or something like that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. How many generations of baseball players? Yeah. Ba- baseballs. Baseball has, I think, done nepotism more than better than anybody else, hasn't it? Yeah, baseball, I think, might be like the original nepotism. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Yeah, that's how yeah. the sport got Except off for the ground, really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Europe's got us beat on nepotism, I guess. Yeah, they but, do. Uh, yeah, all right. I think I think baseball originally used to sell players as dowry, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh three acres of land and a left fielder yeah exactly well yeah. they used to be yeah. traded for like equipment as well so you just literal exchange, bucket of channel <laughs> <laughs> oh my god the amount of glue those guys turned into uh, <laughs> which will be used for sticky stuff on yeah exactly. baseballs now it, it, baseball is a full circle circle of life everybody all right, our next Patreon question is from Brady Steinberg. He's asking, how much should we read into the lack of any 40-man additions at the deadline this past week? Uh, does it say more about the quality of eligible minor leaguers or speak of Stern's understanding the need to bring in more outside talent? Ryan, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I think it's almost completely just there weren't guys that they felt they needed to, to protect. So there weren't guys who were eligible for the Rule 5 draft who they were worried about losing and felt that they needed to get them on the roster to, to keep them. So, yeah, it, it's a quality of player. It's the way that the stuff cycles through where you had a, a bumper crop of guys a few years ago. They don't have that as much because they've been dealing, you know, every year now they've been dealing at the deadline, not major players, but they've dealt off some guys. And that adds up over time where you just don't have that 40 man crunch that other teams have at this point. I know that the Cleveland has a huge 40 man crunch. The the Rays are perpetually in one. 
Uh, there's other the Yankees teams. had to DFA Clint Frazier because they're kind of in a crunch too. So yeah, yeah, yep. The Yankees are one of those teams, and that would be actually we should probably talk about that because Clint Frazier yeah. is a guy that's been rumored to the Brewers so many times at this point that uh, I would I would think they're probably going after him in some way, but who knows? Did the Yankees ruin him? They kept jerking him around, and I know part of it was, you know, they went out and got Stanton, and they already had Judge, and there were, really wasn't a place. And then I think when they originally traded for him, it was like, oh, he's going to have to cut his hair and shave, and, <laughs> you know, all that Yankees bullshit. Um, that, yeah, he's the kind of guy that I'm like, I don't know. Did they just ruin that guy? Is he no longer like a baseball player because he got in the Yankees system? I mean, yeah, I think they set back his career. I, I wouldn't argue with that, but we've seen so many weirdly shaped baseball careers. I mean, look at the Rachel situation. Like, if if you want to know how weird a baseball career can be, that you know, it's pretty much as weird as it gets. So mm-hmm. a- anything can happen. I wouldn't discount it. It's a little bit different, I think, for pitchers versus hitters. But who knows? Guys have have later uh, late renaissances all the time. So, yeah, just basically nobody worth protecting, right, <laughs> Steve? It's just like Ryan was saying, the Brewers have been trading and, and the farm system as a whole is down. So it's not like they're at risk of losing anyone here. So you may as well keep the spots, right? Yeah. You know, and what do you, if you feel like, yeah, that's what your roster is, yeah, that's what's going to end up happening it's, is you just don't make any moves. And I, I don't know, Ryan, how much does just the contact, uh, the CBA negotiations go into all of this? I don't know how much that really matters because I don't think that part of things is likely to change that much because nobody's super unhappy with it. Now that baseball pushed things back, uh, it was about it was sometime after um, Santana when Santana became a rule five eligible and got taken by the twins and immediately turned into one of the best pitchers in baseball, like pretty much right away. Mm -hmm. uh, Baseball moved back the eligibility requirements so that that wouldn't happen anymore basically <laughs> and so the rule 5 draft has since then been pretty pretty minimal it, there really hasn't been a lot of uh of very good players who get taken and kept in the rule 5 draft it's kind of more speculative type things like the Wee Chung Wang situation <laughs> yeah for the brewers just mm-hmm. it, it the the rule 5 draft is kind of yeah it, it, it's less important than it ever was I miss Wei Chung Wednesdays. That was fun, even though he was a complete waste of a roster spot, and they got rid of him anyway. But it was a fun little thing. All right, uh, one last Patreon question this week comes from Jeremy Nachman. He's asking, does anyone have any idea what the standard for the Brewers retiring numbers is? I think at one time it was Brewers Hall of Famers, as Raleigh Fingers retired in 1992. But it seems like Ted Simmons and Trevor Hoffman aren't being retired anytime soon. What do you think the standard should be, and are there any good candidates, Ryan? Uh, I guess it, is it just Hall of Famers? I know we were talking before we started that Raleigh Fingers kind of screwed this whole thing up for him. Yeah, I think they set a bad precedent there, and they probably wish they hadn't done that because. Well, did did Fingers win both the Cy Young and the MVP? He did in '81. He was the MVP and the Cy yep. Young. I mean, yeah. that's a couple pretty high-profile awards for a guy who then, you know, was also a big key of getting the World Series in 82 and stuff like that. So it is, it's a bad precedent, but the run he had was pretty 
unimpeachable. Um, I mean, I he's hey. This is as much defense as I'll give to a relief pitcher. <laughs> it is. I'm actually kind of shocked. This is this is a surprising moment in the podcast history. I think it is the first time you've ever stood up for a relief pitcher in any way, shape, say, or form. If you're going to like lay out the reasons why he would get his number retired, like I guess that would be it. You have Cy Young. Oh, you, have MVP, you have an MVP. You have a pennant. Yeah. Yeah. A pennant <laughs> and everything like that. Um, well, and he is a Hall of Famer and, and yeah. yes. a deserving Hall of Famer, I think. Like he was one of the best relief pitchers of the relief pitcher era. <laughs> so, like, legitimately deserves that. And especially in an era when, you know, he was pitching a hundred plus innings most years. So, but that would be okay. So you go back to like, you know, Trevor Hoffman, uh, you know, he was clearly at the end of his career. He had a really good season with the Brewers before having a disaster of a season. Um, you know, but it, he wasn't like a guy who, who carried him into the postseason in any kind of way. He didn't win any postseason awards or anything like that. Um, so I, you know, I, Hoffman hall of fame, you know, player, but not a Brewers hall of fame player by any means that was not that didn't add anything to his resume to get him into the hall of fame no it was Uh, just a purely a place to end his career at a time when the Padres weren't contending for anything yeah that's all that was and that's fine that yeah I just I look at it like because he asks here what do you think the standard should be and this is what my standard would be is that a guy needs to basically have a career in Milwaukee that you could make a, a reasonable argument as a Hall of Fame career. That would be my standard for for retiring a number. And Robin Yout obviously fits that. He had a his entire career in Milwaukee was a Hall of Fame first ballot career. Molitor fits because he did enough in Milwaukee. He probably wouldn't have been a Hall of Famer if he had retired instead of going to Toronto. But he did enough in Milwaukee to at least make the argument that like he's a deserving player. He there was there was enough there that you could you could have a pretty good argument about whether or not he belongs in the Hall of Fame. He definitely well, would have been a guy who stuck on the ballot. Under, there's also some understanding that like guys who play their entire careers with one team are rare. Mm-hmm. And then Hank obviously gets it not because of what he did with the Brewers, but because of what he did with the Braves. And that's a well, Milwaukee means Milwaukee in general. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's because of what he did as a Milwaukee Brave, where he clearly would have been in the Hall of Fame based on what he did as a Milwaukee Brave. So he didn't need anything more than that. So, yeah, it's not the same franchise, but who cares? It's the city. And he did play at the end of his career for the Brewers and hit his last home run here. So, yeah, that's fine. Uh, I don't know that there is anybody good on the horizon based on that standard. Ryan Braun is probably, I think, going to have his number retired, but I don't think it's going to be for a little while, and it will only be if Mark Atanasio keeps the team. I think if it goes to a new owner, <laughs> it will not, Braun won't get retired, and I think he's going to have to wait a while. So it sort of depends on the how... unofficial retiring, like Gantner or whatever, whoever oh, has yeah. the unofficial The retiring? fact that Migliaccio yeah. won't give out 17 to anybody. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think we're going to see anybody wearing number eight. Yeah, I don't know if I don't I don't think Braun would deserve it. Uh even with what he meant to the team. Yeah, again, you know, I think that's what the wall of honor is for. Where they have they have a wall, they have a sidewalk, a walk of honor or whatever. Yeah. Is yeah. that the one that's freaking impossible to get in? They haven't inducted anybody in like ten years. 
I don't the know. The walk is the one that nobody gets on, I think. Yeah, the yeah. walk is the more important one, I guess. Yeah, because didn't <laughs> Gomez just got on the wall, didn't he? On the wall. It was Gomez, Gomez and K-Rod and, yeah, those guys. So, I mean, you know, Braun could probably go on that walk. He'll be the next guy for that. Okay. Uh, I would yeah. imagine that will happen relatively quickly. I if And, again, Fielder, Fielder's not in the walk. He's on the wall. He'll be, out, he'll be on the walk. Is he'll, he eligible for it, for the walk? Is that same Hall of Fame rules you got to be out for five years? I forget. I have no idea what the rules yeah. for that thing are. I know Tom Hodrick gets really <laughs> upset about that one, though, which I enjoy. Because nobody ever, he's right. like, why am I doing this shit again? Nobody ever gets voted in, so what's the freaking point? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I pay so little attention to it. That's why I'm like, I don't know whatever don't the, know the rules yeah. are. I mean, yeah, I would say Fielder, Braun, um, you know, they would deserve that one. Yeah, but nobody really having their number hanging in the stadium. They don't have anybody for that. And I I don't think they have anybody for that. Unless Yelich resurrects his career and turns right. back to or what Corbin Burns goes on an epic run where he wins another Cy Young or two. Like, yeah, I don't Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. So yeah, and that's that's what that walk is for. Don't retire the numbers, but you can give them some other kind of honor. Where is that thing, by the way? Oh, it's out in uh, over by the restaurant to be named later, out in front of that part of the stadium over there in uh, uh, left field. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Um, I will say, actually. You never come in that way. No, I usually go in by home plate because our seats are you know up above it. Uh, I will say, I think that Hater might have a shot here because... I mean, he has won the Reliever of the Year award now three times, and if he plays another couple of years in Milwaukee, he'd probably still need to do a couple more years in Milwaukee and ends up down the road getting into the Hall of Fame. I would think they would retire his number. Like, that would... I don't know. No. Relievers are so tricky because, like, you need longevity then, too, and by then, he's so far removed from the Brewers. Like, does anyone said, remember him for that? I don't know. And the thing about Fingers is he has that MVP as well. Yeah, that's true. That it, it it's true. I I think that there's an outside chance there. I, I think the the guys we've mentioned, Yelich would have to have a big career. By the way, fingers fingers also threw multiple innings, and uh, haters decided that he doesn't want to do that anymore. So, yeah, right. I haters decided that because of money, which oh, I sure. can't blame him for that. I get, yeah, I get that. He Protect seemed to career. be he seemed to be okay with it when like before the reality of needing to get saves to get money in arbitration became apparent to him, I guess uh, <laughs> he didn't seem to have a problem with it. And now it's like, no, he wants saves. He wants to rack up saves and I get it. make your best reliever. The guy who doesn't get paid as much and covers more innings. Yeah. And they, they would have done that. They would have continued to do that. Had it not been for, you know, Corey Knable getting hurt and, uh, Jeremy Jeffers turning into a complete pumpkin and you know, all the things that have happened. <laughs> Evan Williams punching a wall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The sure. sole reason Josh Hader will be back this year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> but Corbin right. Burns, Corbin Burns could be a, a shout there. Cause he now has the Cy Young. So that's big. Like, and, and Yelich has you the need that second contract though. I think you need that second contract for he Corbin might. just to I extend the longevity. If, I don't know if, if Burns makes, you know, 30 starts in a season, you know, can win another Cy Young and they go on, 
an epic uh, postseason run or something like that. I mean, I could see Burns maybe getting it then. Yeah, I mean, if he wins another Cy Young and wins a World Series here, his number will oh, be yeah. retired. I mean, I mean that anybody happen. on that World Series team, you're you got half the roster retired. Then I think <laughs> the floodgates open, right? Like that's Yelich is in Burns Woodruff. Why not? Come on down, yeah, Tyrone I mean, Taylor. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. God, um, so many bobbleheads. Oh, all the so bobbleheads. Bobble the mini bobbleheads. Years worth of commemorative bobbleheads. Yeah, exactly. All right. That's all we got for Patreon questions this week. Uh, reminder, go to patreon.com slash tailgate. Two bucks a month gets you question priority. We're kind of getting into that time of year where we kind of rely on your questions to pace the conversation here. So uh, please do go sign up, send us questions. You can also send us questions on Twitter at tailgate. Uh, I should also mention when you sign up to become a patron, you get a shout out here on the podcast. And we do have a new patron to shout out this week, Ryan. Who do we have? Um, well, we have longtime listener, longtime Twitter correspondent and Vikings fan, Ben Oler. Yeah. Sorry, Ben. Yeah. I guess I should thank you for becoming a patron, even though we're a little testy about the Vikings just, today. Just remember, you're also supporting a Packers podcast. So thank you for That's your... true. Yeah. Thank you for your patronage <laughs> and for supporting the Packers. Uh, I probably financed Matub's Packers stock purchase. So there you go. I thought you were going to say it's Packer bourbon. Uh, that'll be coming soon. I'm sure we can work out a, uh, a sponsorship deal with some sort of Green Bay area distillery to to get a Packers bourbon out there. His Packer barrel aged uh, coffee. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Have you so, ever had uh, that, Steve? By the way, I was curious about that. Yeah, I've gotten the African coffee. I have. So you have you had the barrel aged stuff though? No, I haven't had the barrel aged. No. Okay. I, I, I was curious about that because so would that so that would have alcohol then, right? Like you would even after the process of boiling it in. No. The beans? No. Okay, so the alcohol would be gone. It's just flavored. Yeah. It just yeah. flavors bourbon. Flavored. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But I Probably have a little coffee. I'll try it. Or some garbage like that, and I'll be angry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Ben, for signing up to become a patron. As I mentioned, patreon.com slash tailgate For the rest of you who have not signed up, uh, we would greatly appreciate it. And we would also appreciate it if you leave us a review and a rating for this podcast. Uh, reminder, our little deal here, Paul, when he's here, will read literally any five-star review that you leave us, uh, as condescending as it may be, he's done it. So, <laughs> um, that's, that's the deal. Five stars help us out and, and, uh, we'll read it here on the program while you're there. Please do hit the subscribe button on Apple podcasts, Spotify, pocket Casts, wherever else you get your podcasts. And I just do want to point out here that uh, we're planning on taking Thanksgiving weekend off. Now, the last time we tried doing this, Steve, you'll remember in 2019, we said we were going to do that. And then the Brewers decided to trade for Luis Urias and Eric Lauer. <laughs> and so that plan got shot to hell. And I ended up having to go grab a, a mic from Andy Schaff's place and record a, an emergency <laughs> pod on the day before Thanksgiving at my folks' place. So oh, this man. time I am going to take my uh, my my snowball mic with me and my laptop on the road with me, just in case there is some sort of a need for a uh, an emergency pod. I'm not expecting it, but assuming there's no major Brewers transaction news, the next time we will be coming to you is the weekend of, or I guess it would be Monday, the uh, the fifth of December. 
There you go. And by then, we'll have plenty of lockout things to talk with. I am so excited oh, for that. That's right. It starts like Wednesday the 1st <laughs> at midnight is the, the time that it locks yep. down. Yeah. Wait, yeah. have you done your list yet? Have you done MVPs and... Oh, no. Players. Maybe we'll just do that so we can just avoid the reality of the world. Because those are always the filler episodes when you're like... Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Steve, for coming on. <laughs> Former host, Spilling the Beans, how to have a baseball podcast in December. <laughs> list. Oh, yeah, when I especially I think it was 18, it was good because they had such a deep run. Like, we basically, like, did the run through the playoffs. Uh, we had a week to talk about it. And then I think it was like almost Thanksgiving by that time. And then well, it wasn't quite like that, but still. And then we had time to do a couple like award shows and, and shit like that. And then it was like, oh, it's January already. So uh, hey, we can get back into talking and catchers next yeah. month. Let's do it. Yeah, this. we can talk about yeah. baseball things again. <laughs> so, yeah. so I just hope for your guys' sake that uh, you don't hit a period where they start bombing out of uh, the season before September or something like that. And you have nothing yeah. in October to talk about. Yeah, yeah, we've been, have to, yeah, we've been really lucky on that. I mean, we did start the podcast the summer of 2017, so we got that run. Even though they didn't make the playoffs that first year, they made a run to the last weekend, and so we had that to look forward to. And then it's been kind of a, a, a steady climb ever since from that point. I mean, there's been ups and downs, but it's been a pretty, a pretty good upward trajectory, which hopefully can continue for a while. What you're saying is this podcast should be manager of the year because it's solely responsible for the Brewers' recent run, right? We have brought the good fortune, yes. Yes, there you go. All right, uh, I'll do it for this week, everybody. As Ryan said, we'll take this next week off, barring anything dumb happening. Uh, we'll be back with you in early December. Hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving. Stay well, everybody. We'll see you the next time here in December on Milwaukee's Tailgate. Five stars.